You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello Bulls fans and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast here on a Thursday with me, Mark K from Australia and always joined the most by the most handsome, handsome man in the beat writing game. It is William Gottlieb. William, how are you, sir? Um, I'm all right, but I got to say, normally we do these on Friday and yeah. so just internally, I thought that it was Friday and you've just reminded me it's only Thursday, so... Well, uh, I was going to lead this back that it is I mean, it's Friday. Friday for you, so. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I was about to go, oh, it's Friday. That's how I was going to introduce it all. But then I was like, oh, no, that's only for me and, you know, some of the other internationals out there, not necessarily those for you who are in Chicago, but that's fine. It doesn't matter where you are, William, because you can be a diehard of Chicago sports and CHGO, and I think people should do that. And do you know why I think people should do that, William? Because our CHGO diehard membership sale is on right now. People. Get your hands on that. You, generally speaking, you're paying $79.99 for a yearly membership. Right now with this sale, it's only $59.99. What a deal. What a bargain. Chicago sports, that's what it's all about, friends. Come hang out. Come hang out with William and I and the rest of the crew. Support CHGO and do so at a discounted rate. Like That is a, a win-win proposition, surely, if I've ever seen one. Too easy, as you like to say. Too easy. Too easy. Too easy indeed. But William, what are we discussing today? Well, not much going on in the world of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, no major injuries, sidelining star players for multiple weeks. No first three-game win streak of the season. Um, so, yeah, all is quiet. No, we actually we have a lot to talk about here uh, today. Zach met with us with the media this morning mm. after it was announced last night by the team after the game that he would require an additional three to four weeks to uh, treat his ailing foot. Um, so we've got some updates from the Advocate Center, um, as well as, you know, just some conspiracy theories that are floating about, and, and we'll give our takes on those. And then, you know, the team's playing well, so what does that mean for the future? We got we do have actually a good amount of stuff to, to get into here. Yes, definitely, but we're going to start with the Zach Levine news. And I, first, I guess the first question I have, William, do you think he hurt his foot on the way out of... Of the, of the United Center, like as when he was demanding a trade or putting through his soft trade request, or yeah, he just jammed it happen? on the, uh, jammed it on the on the way out the door. Um, yeah. So all we know is that it flared up. Um, he said he's been dealing with a while, but for a while, but it flared up uh, in that game against the Celtics, that twenty-seven point loss in the final in-season tournament game, um, and he hasn't played since then. 
So he's been out uh, three full games plus the majority of that one. The team is now 3-0 without him. He said that it was inflammation in the right on uh, the outer side of his right foot. Um, it's so I think a lot of people are kind of like questioning the severity of this because um, it's like right foot soreness. But there's some you know potential damage that can be done if he ramps it up too much. And he's he said like I wanted to be out there. I tried to get up for the game yesterday um against the hornets but as he was ramping up uh, things he just kind of had a setback and so not healing as quickly as he wants and he's actually been doing a lot of resting for his rehab but he also just got a prp injection um, which is a big deal and i think that kind of speaks to how much this is actually you know holding him back i i, I know we'll, we'll kind of get into it but i know people are kind of trying to connect the dots here with all the trade noise and the trade rumors Guys are not getting PRP injections if they're not actually hurt. So um, I'm viewing this as, you know, uh, appropriate to the three to four week timetable, right? I mean, I think there's, yes, that lines up with a lot of those trade dates, but this definitely feels very real to me. Yeah, and it's possible for two things to be true at one time. Like, he clearly is hurt. He clearly had this uh, procedure of sorts. Um, He's not flying with the team to San Antonio because of this procedure. So... Yeah, clearly something he's ailing him. But at the same time, it is very convenient or at least ironic that this is occurring as a side piece to the whole trade thing. And we all know, based on the fact that we're, you know what we've discussed here on the podcast, but anywhere else you've consumed any other NBA media and people talking about Zach Levine trade, the fact that you know 80 to 90% of the league is eligible for trade post-December 15, all of the league is, or the majority of the league is then eligible for trade post-January 15. We all know the permutations of this. So it, it's just, it's interesting nonetheless, I suppose, that this is occurring at the same time. And I understand why some people may be dubious of it all. But at the same time, I think we can be good enough to at least take Zach for his word. And if not for his word, then the actions of the Bulls medical staff in the sense that this is a thing that has occurred. They're not going to be just juicing up his foot full of injection injections just for the sake of it. He's dealing with something. And it's just, yeah, again, interesting that it's occurring at the time when he supposedly is okay with a move occurring. In that respect, it's interesting because we may have seen Zach Levine played his last game as a ball. That's definitely on the cards at this point. So there's a lot a lot of ways we can, I guess, take it. But let's start from his media performance today, William, which you're in attendance to. He obviously alluded to the fact that the injury re-aggravated itself, that there's a rehab plan, that he had that PRP injection. He made that all very clear. But I think what you have noted here in the rundown, and I think anyone who listened to or read the quotes, the money quote was the fact that Zach sort of alluded to the fact, well, he didn't dismiss the whole trade thing, right? That was the the first takeaway from my point of view. But the, the key thing was that the noise or the scuttlebutt or the rumors that people need to be addressing is not well. It's not just him that should be addressing that, that he insinuated that almost both sides of the deal being him, Levine, his representation, but also the Bulls are the ones that are maybe pushing this storyline and the fact that this storyline exists. So what were your takeaways from the ground when he sort of mentioned that or hinted that? Well, I think the first thing is just kind of going back to the severity of the injury, like Zach does not like missing time. He played through mm-hmm. the knee injury uh, two seasons ago. 
that, um, you know, he ultimately had to have that uh, scope done during the off season. He played through a thumb injury. He does not like to miss time. And he even said it like, I don't pull punches. I want to play through everything. Um, and look, like you could just say, well, of course he's going to sit there and say that on the, you know, at the media stand, cause he's got nothing to lose. Like he doesn't want to make it look like he's just pouty. Um, and especially with the way that the team is playing, um, you know, maybe it's coincidence. Maybe it's not that the team has kind of started to, play a lot better here of late. Like I said, they're three and zero in uh, games in the last three games, three and one, including that game to Boston, which Zach got injured. Um, but yeah, I mean, for him, it's like, he obviously had to address this idea that this could be his last game as a bull. He said that he's not really looking at it that way. He's just trying to get healthy um, and kind of expressed a commitment to trying to help the team. However he can, as long as he's wearing the Jersey, um, he had an opportunity to, deny the trade rumors uh, when they initially came out. He had an opportunity to deny them again today. But to me, first of all, all he said was like, I'm just thinking about coming back. I want to help these guys as much as possible. Um, I'm happy for the team. And, you know, I think he he means that, but he just kind of seems like a guy to me who's trying to come back from an injury. He's got this foot soreness and he kind of recognizes that this is the position that he's in. Like there's not going to be a trade that happens. I think, you know, maybe when they kind of released that an initial report, he thought that there was going to be something happening quickly. That's not been the case. And it doesn't really seem like there's much market for him right now. And he seems like he's kind of aware and resigned to the fact that, um, you know, he's got to continue to be here as long as he's here. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as the news dropped last night post game, uh, that, that, that Zach would be out three or four weeks. I think where everyone's mind would, went to, and we've even got someone, I think I missed it before, but there was someone in the comments suggesting that a deal has already been agreed to, that this is just maybe some posturing and they're holding Zach out for this reason. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that. As, as stated before, Zach is clearly hurt. I think that has been clearly demonstrated at this point. So I don't think that is necessarily just the case. I mean, but, both things could be true. Like you said, like, yeah. you know, there is a deadline where, most of the league is eligible to be traded on December 15th. There's another deadline on January 15th where like 99% of the league is eligible to be traded. They may have something that they feel comfortable pulling the trigger on, but it's not, you're not able to press send yet. Um, but Zach is also injured. So like both of those could be true at the same time. Definitely. But I guess where I was going was in the event that that isn't true, the piece around there being a dealing place and they're just waiting and holding out and keeping him out just to protect the trade type thing. Assuming there isn't a dealing place, then, you know, Woj has already gone out there and said that there isn't a market for Zach. Let's just assume that's the case. There is no market. There is no deal. What does Zach now being hurt and being out for a further three or four weeks do to said market? Well, I guess not much if you were to believe that there is no market. If there's no market, there's no market. But assuming there is one or there was one, I'm um, I'm hopeful that this doesn't impact things, but I don't view this as a good thing for that market either. So uh, it, it's interesting. You would hope that there is a deal in place because of that reason that you don't want teams to be scared away from this. But assuming there isn't a deal... Or maybe there was a deal and those deals are being revised now, given that Zach's potentially out three to four weeks at minimum. Maybe it'll be longer. Who knows? I'm wondering now, like, how does this impact his trade? Well, I was going to say his trade request, but the team's desire as well to move Zach as well. So does this make it more difficult? I'm assuming so. But that, I guess that precedes this idea that maybe there is or isn't a deal in place. Yeah, I mean, we won't know unless like a deal gets done at you know, 1201 
uh, on the 15th of either December or January, whether that's like been locked and loaded. Um, so it's just hard to say, but I think you're right that like the best thing for Zach, the best thing for the bulls is the same outcome where he gets healthy and he plays super well. And he makes everybody forget about this idea that the bulls have won three straight games while he has been out of the lineup. Um, and not only that, but he's playing better. He's healthy. He's looking good. And he figures to be a guy that teams would want to trade trade for if they want to get better. Um, but I think that this whole like the the conspiracy around it, I think, is really interesting. Um, obviously, I know a lot of people are like ready for this kind of era to to be over. But um, to me, like the money quote of the whole thing, he said, the storylines that are out there right now about me is on both something that wasn't completely said verbally to the media. Um, basically, my read on that and just like watching him say that basically what he was saying is like, look, this is not just like me demanding out. This is like both sides. Both sides are ready to move on. Um, and to me, it was, you know, he, he goes on to say, it's something that is behind closed doors that a bunch of narratives can get spun around and said about me and things and stories will be portrayed, but it's part of the business that comes with it. Um, I think Zach is like, people are kind of pointing to him being pissed at Billy for benching him against the Magic. I think he's pissed that the Bulls try to trade him this summer. I think he doesn't feel good about being on a team where he's being shopped around. And I think that's really where this whole, like, I don't want to call it an attitude thing, but like, that's where the the friction really lies right now. I think that's why that that's why, like, you know, when, when Zach has said in the past, this, this happens to me, it's happened to me for the last three years. Like, well, no, the report that came out was your side is now open to it. And the reason that is, you know, meaningful is because the bulls were clear, clearly already open to it. They were shopping him around. Now he's just getting on board with that. So one, I think like the clutch rich Paul Zach camp has put that out on purpose. And two, um, I think it's, it's like time to move on, but there's no, no like obvious deals in place. And now they kind of both, they both made their bed and now they kind of have to live in it here and the injury stuff and holding him out. Like there's pros and cons to it. I think the Bulls have a chance to now see what their team looks like without him a little bit more. But this whole idea that like Zach is just holding out or the Bulls are sending him home, I think it, it, there's a real possibility that he has played his last game with the Bulls, but I don't think this is just a send Zach home and move on without him before they actually get something done. No, I, I agree with that part of it. Where I disagree with Zach on is that it's a, a two sides thing. Yes, ultimately both sides want to split, but... I, and maybe Zach wants out now because the Bulls have been dangling him in trades in the offseason that just passed as well as the deadline that just went through as well, uh, the previous trade deadline of last season. But the question is, why are the Bulls doing that? And they're doing that not just because they want to trade Zach. They, they, there's some sort of disconnect that appears between Zach and AK or Zach and Billy, so whatever it may be. So I, there is a connection to this thing. It's not just, hey, we're... I'm Arturis kind of Chauvis and I'm just going, I want to trade Zach and then Zach getting angry and it's both sides type thing of, of both wanting a separation. Like if Zach was doing the things that AK and Billy wants, whether that's fair or not, then are they really dangling him out in trades in the way that they have been in years past? I don't know if that's true. So um, he can sort of push that back to the, to the franchise and I'm uh, reluctant to really defend the fan- franchise for a host of reasons. But I don't think it's as simple as saying, hey, these guys are trying to trade me. Therefore, I want to be traded too because they don't want me. And then why do I want to be here type thing? Like there's there's reasons for this team 
wanting to maybe push on from Zach. Um, some of them are fair. Some of them are not. Some of them extend beyond his play on the court. But I thought I don't think we can just ignore the element of what Zach has done on the court. And this isn't the first time that this sort of stuff has come up. There has been reasons or, or, or friction between Zach and the playing group, not necessarily, you know, in, in any will, ill will as such, but there has been, like, if we go back to this time last year, there was the issues in the locker room whereby Zach and DeMar weren't on the same page from a, a uh, you know, an execution standpoint. You referenced the, the 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 game where, I think it was the last December as well, when the Bulls played the Magic, where Billy benched Zach when he was 1-14 or whatever, whatever it was. There was that blow up in Minnesota after the Minnesota game where Goran Dragic went on record and, you know, spoke very candidly. It was pretty clear as to who he was talking about in those statements. So, yeah, I, I guess my point being, I don't think it's as simple as, as, as the, but the balls are done with Zach and Zach is done with the balls. I think there's reasons as to why it's gotten to this point. And I get the whole two sides thing, but I still lean more with the franchise here, which I feel a bit, you know, funny doing. Like I said, I don't really want to defend the team in this instance. But I don't think um, Zach's without any fault in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a tough situation to be in if you're Zach. He's kind of following this clutch playbook of sign the deal, get the money, and then ask out. And he doesn't really have much leverage right here because one, nobody really wants him. But two, I think, like, as much as we kind of talk about value and contracts around the league, like this. This uh, new CBA penalty is really strong. And I think we've also talked about how the cap is going to continue to rise and $40 million a year is not going to look quite as bad in the, in the coming years when Jalen Brown's making $65 million a year. Um, but that's still a lot to swallow. I think teams are kind of more afraid of it before they really know how it affects them than they might be if they were already in it. Um, so I think part of it is just Zach being kind of caught between a rock and a hard place where yeah, the the Bulls kind of want to move on from him for a variety of reasons. He's kind of come around on also wanting a change of scenery, but now he's like got to face the media with every injury that he has about does this tie into your trade request? Um, I just think there's there's kind of like a lot going on, and you kind of do feel for him in this situation, even though I think there's there's definitely fault on both sides of it as well. Yeah, the, the part of his presser that I did find funny was how he was talking about this three-game winning streak and talking about how the team has been playing, like the way they've been going about it and how the fundamentals of what they've been doing in training camp, how that's starting to come through now and how it's working. I did smirk a few times when I read and listened to that piece because, and look, maybe maybe it needed this amount of time. Maybe you needed 15 to 20 games for it to connect and it, connecting without him is just mere coincidence but it happening without him when when he was playing i suppose there was clear examples where he wasn't buying into what the bulls are doing now from an offensive standpoint at least and we you know we can talk about the uh, the defensive ramifications of having uh, Levine, Demar, and Vooch out there at one time, which you sort of take away when you have him out of the roster out of him out of the lineup and you put more defensive units out there but i did i did find that ironic again that he was kind of talking about, yeah, like this stuff's coming together now. And then when I do come back, I can find myself within this and reinsert myself within this. And then, you know, I'll be able to play my part within that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe this whole trade stuff has made me skeptical and maybe, I don't know, not lose faith in Zach as a player because he's obviously extremely skilled and good. But I, I kind of also don't want to hear that <laughs> at this point. It's like, 
okay, guy, well, why are we hearing this now? Why, why went with, why weren't you as a leader of this team as one of the best offensive players on the team enabling this sooner? So I don't know. It fell on deaf ears for me, but I'm also kind of biased at this point and kind of done with it. So that's where my take on it, but I'm interested to hear what you thought of that concept of him returning and fitting in within what the, what the team is doing on offense right now. I mean, that's kind of what I'm talking about. He has to say that he can't just like be yeah. pouty right now because that makes it so much worse. And I think, uh, you know, I've, talk to a lot of the players in the locker room, they also feel that way too, both on and off the record, that Zach is going to be better in this, the way that they're playing. And I think the big question is like, why can't they figure out why they were playing so terribly before, why they weren't executing any of this stuff. And now all of a sudden the flip has switched. Like, I think to a certain point, you can't just like, you can't just like have something happen to you like that. You have to understand why it was happening in the first place so that you can correct it when it inevitably happens again. I think that's a real problem that this Bulls team faces is like they just don't seem to have any answers about how they're playing, about why they're not playing well when they're not. It's just like, does the ball go in or not? And you watch this team and it's like you watch the body language, you watch the way that they're getting into sets, the pace, uh, the tempo, whether or not they're getting out in transition on makes and misses. Um, it's just it's a kind of thing where like you, you wish that they had some more answers. And I do believe that Zach, you know, will probably be a little bit more bought in when he does come back and if he is playing for the Bulls, just because he has to be. And like I said, the best thing for him, the best thing for the team is for him to play well, because that will help, you know, increase the amount of suitors out there. And yeah, I mean, I think he kind of has to say that, but I also think he, like I said, is aware of the fact that if this was like a done deal to get him wherever he wanted to go, it might already be done. And it's not. And I think that there's this realization from, Zach and you know the players too that this might take a while and you know I'm not saying it's not going to happen but like is there a world where this just doesn't happen before the end of the year um you can't just like punt this season away because you're guaranteeing to yourself that you're going to get rid of Zach like AK is not going to just like dump him um I think that they have to get the right deal in order to move on they also need to get something done because the situation is like pretty uncomfortable and awkward but I'm not I'm not like under the impression that Zach is just done with this team right now. It, it really does seem like if he has to come back and play for this team again, that he he will try to buy in. And like I said, I'm not sure why that wasn't happening before. Um, and maybe it doesn't happen again, but just based on what, what I heard from him today, it seems like he's at least going to try. And it seems like the rest of the team wants that. Yeah, I mean, they can say all those things, but... And exactly, they're gonna—they're not gonna like say anything else to the media. They—they they have to. No, and, and look, they can say all these things, they can do all these things, but actions speak louder on louder than words. And uh, when Zach was playing the way he was going about it, the way the team more generally was reacting to the whole situation and playing through all the noise, uh, yeah, like I said, actions speak louder than words. But nonetheless, I think you're you're correct. Zach isn't sorry. AK is not going to just deal with. Zach, just for the sake of it, he needs to grab himself a good deal and hopefully a good good deal presents itself. We'll be talking a little bit more about that um, in the next couple segments. But, um, you know, whilst AK is waiting for a good deal for Zach, CHGO listeners, we've got some good deals for you, particularly as we head into the Christmas and fest, uh, the festivist sort of season, the holiday season. And for those of you that are trying to be more health conscious and, you know, eat actual nutritious meals and not just you know, the junk food that we all like to consume over the holiday holiday season. Well, friends, our our friends at Factor 
they're number one, America's number one ready to eat meal deal service. They can help you fuel up for for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, whatever it might be. If you want to get your hands on chef prepared, up uh, chef prepared, dietitian approved, ready to eat meals. Then the best part, they, that is all delivered straight to your door. If you want to save time, if you want to uh, save money, if you want to eat well and keep your fitness goals on track through the holiday period, then Factor, they got the hookup, friends. So uh, this is something I'm going to be trying to do, William. It's, it's around about this time, time of year where I start to go off the rails. Now, to be fair, 2023 for me more generally from a nutritional standpoint has been somewhat off the rails i've put on a few kilos or pounds as you guys like to say this year i need to turn that around so someone like factor who can you know hit me up with 45 odd uh, different types of meals protein rich beautiful meals these sorts of things calorie smart meals where no more of their meals are greater than 550 calories i know my friends of factor are going to hook me up so if you want to do that friends like i will be doing then um use promo code chgo balls when you do uh when you're heading out to factor meals 50 percent off when you do what a deal chgo chgo bulls 50 and you will score yourself 50 percent off your first order with factor take care of your body have a good holiday season but um eat, eat well and feel well that would be my advice at least that's what i'm going to be trying to do having said that william having said that when i am feeling cheeky and would like to have a beer i would like to have a goose island i was just gonna say you know you got to cancel it out somehow and if you're going to do it, may as well cancel it out with the frosty Goose Island beer because Goose Island is Chicago's beer since 1988, but it's also CHGO's beer. Our favorite sponsor here at CHGO. There are the honks for you. They've got an incredible roster, including Oktoberfest, which is still going strong, even though we're already into December. We're seven or eight days away from the December 15th deadline where some players can be traded for Zach Levine. Oktoberfest still going strong. They've got the Beer Hug family, the 312 Weedale, the Full Pocket Pilsner, your everyday beer. And it's what the brewers are drinking. And it's also what Matt and Dave are drinking. Um, Goose Island, if you want to let us know what your favorite beer is, shoot it into the comments. But for now, grab an ultra fresh brewery exclusive beer at the Goose Island Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer, and CHGO's beer. Mm, beer. Beer. Beer and a factor meal. Sounds like a winning combination if I've ever heard of one. Chicago Bulls, Zach Levine, not necessarily a winning conversation, <laughs> William. But let us continue this uh, this this conversation amongst ourselves, among friends here on a Thursday evening. What are we doing here with, with Zach Levine, William? We know he's out for three to four weeks. As we've discussed, he can't be moved for at least eight days at minimum. Well, I mean, he could technically be traded now, but presumably a deal won't present itself with, before the next eight days, possibly longer. Maybe we're holding out to after January 15. So at that point, what are we doing? What are we doing for the next three to four weeks? What are we doing thereafter when Zach is back and potentially healthy and ready to go? We touched on it before that Zach sort of spoke about him reintegrating himself in the event that it, you know, that opportunity presents itself for him and the team. But what are we all really doing, I guess? Like, this is the... I'm sitting back here and just holistically thinking about where this this team is at more generally. I think you and I are rebuilders. We want to see a tank happen. There are certain fans out there that don't want to see that happen, which I completely understand. 
But I, I'm just trying to make sense of it all and where Zach fits into this whole thing, where the trade fits into it all, where this three-game sample of interesting wins fits into it all. Where do we take this conversation? I'm ready to, to go anywhere where you want to go, William, but uh, there's a lot to consider. So I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot to consider, but I think let's start in just the present and wh- what we're seeing these last couple of games, what we expect to see for the foreseeable future here with Zach out of the lineup for the next three to four weeks. And by the way, with these like injury timelines, it's never he's going to be back in three to four weeks. It's he's going to be reevaluated then. And then there'll most likely be uh, additional time for a ramp up and for him to get back into game shape. And three to four weeks puts us end of December, first week of January. And as we've said multiple times already, January 15th is the start date for trade season in earnest. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely likely that we won't see Zach again. Uh, Maybe not likely, but it's certainly a possibility that we don't see Zach again with the Bulls. And I think this is a really good opportunity to kind of let this team find themselves without Zach. Um, Understanding that, you know, I think there is a small, small, small possibility that the Bulls just don't trade Zach this year because they don't want to salary dump him or they can't find any suitors or whatever it might be. I think that is a small, small possibility. But for the most part, we're looking at a, a future without Zach Levine. And, you know, AK, reporting has shown that AK wants to assess the, the group. He's focused on moving Zach and then making decisions. This time is, is more data in that regard. And I think the more information you can get on how your team looks without Zach, the better. Um, obviously, like I said before, the best thing for Zach and for the Bulls right now is for Zach to be there healthy and playing well so that, you know, that does open up some more trade possibilities. But kind of the silver lining of this is you let some of these younger guys get a little bit more in the way of touches, build their confidence. Like to me, what I've seen from Io and Kobe and Pat, even these last three games, and really even for for guys like Kobe um, and Pat a little bit beyond that, they've just been playing a lot better. And Billy, Billy said this after the game last night. Um, they've kind of been thrust into the situation with Zach missing time with DeMar missing time, Caruso's missed time where they have to step up and be, you know, a bigger featured part of the offense. They have to have more responsibility on both ends. And I think that's really helped them build some confidence, especially the fact that they're winning games and they, they need that confidence to be able to make the next play, to be able to keep the advantage alive, to be able to create the advantage in the first place. So I think this is really good for them. I think it also gives AK some, opportunity to evaluate the talent that he has uh, stepping up into bigger roles. Like you, you think about what the 76ers have done this year with Maxi kind of addition by subtraction um, after moving Harden. Like maybe there's a world where Kobe really does keep this play up. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a 50% three-point shooter, but there's a lot that he's doing that does look sustainable to me. And one, I think the team just looks a lot better. They're playing at a better pace. Um, but like the big thing to me is and I think what we've learned through these last three years with Zach Martin Vooch is it's great to have like these stop and slow it down methodical scores in the half court. You need that um, certainly in the playoffs, but like even end of game, even if like things get too frenetic in the second quarter, like you need somebody to come in and like take the ball and calm everybody down and like get into an offensive set and get a good shot. And it's really good that the bulls have that. But I think it becomes a problem when you have three guys that are all on the floor doing that at the same time. And they're, there's, they're not fighting over the ball, but like they all stylistically kind of want to play the same way in the same spots on the floor. And it's just hard to do that. And so I think that there's been 
one, you get Ayo out there a little bit more. He's been pushing the pace. Kobe's been pushing the pace. Uh, Julian Phillips has gotten some minutes and he's running up and down. Like you just get more of these athletes on the floor who do want to run. I think that balances things out. And I think it's a good lesson for AK to understand that, you know, it's good to have those guys where you can play off of, you know, the younger guys can play off of a or Damar in the half court, but it's also good to like have a little bit more speed and athleticism and willingness to move around off the ball. And I, I just think it's tough when you've got three guys on the court who do that together. So maybe that informs what AK is looking for, uh, in return for a, for a Zach trade, but also just like moving forward. I mean, he's got some big decisions. You, you asked the question, like, what are we doing here? That it, that's a question AK is going to have to answer. And is it going to be continue on with this group and try to bring back Demar? Is it going to be, you know, tear it down and we can talk more about what that actually means to us. Um, but this is an opportunity, I think for AK to really get a sense of the talent on his team, what it looks like with a little bit more um, collective athleticism and speed. And I think that's a, that's a really good thing as, as long as they're playing well. Agree. But I guess I wonder how much we're getting wrapped up in these three games, which we're I completely absolutely understand. getting wrapped up in these last three games. And I can already feel it amongst the fan base. And I completely understand it. This has been a terrible, miserable season in, in many respects. Even last season was painful. Um, so I get it. And I understand Kobe doing this Kobe stuff right now is cool and fun. The way Io and Pat is playing is very encouraging as well. The way the ball has been moving on offense whilst keeping the defensive intensity the way it has been over the last three to five games has been very interesting and fun. But I do look ahead. I am looking ahead and I'm a little concerned. And, and look, let's just focus on three to four weeks. Why? Let's keep it short-term to some respects, but let's also use that timeline with Zach being out. Here's the games the Bulls have over the next three to four weeks. At San Antonio as of tomorrow. Uh, then they've got on Monday at Milwaukee on Tuesday, Denver. Then uh, two games in Miami, at Miami, at Miami. Then you're in Philadelphia. You play the Lakers thereafter. Okay, maybe you get a slight reprieve when this when you get the San Antonio Spurs back of the United Center, but thereafter you've got the Cavs, the Hawks, the Pacers, the Sixers, the Sixers, and then the Knicks. That takes you through to January 3. That's 13, 14, 15 games, something like that. That's a brutal stretch of games. That's the Zach Levine three to four week timeline. It's the three to four week timeline like you mentioned before where AK gets that a, 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 you know extended run of, of games to really assess what this team looks like post-Zach or without Zach, let's say. But even without Zach, within that, within those run of games, like I know this last three games has been good and fun, and I've certainly enjoyed watching the most part. Like yesterday's game was was a tough watch. That was just a bad basketball game. Terrible game. Regardless of the outcome. The, the, the wins against Milwaukee and the Pelicans were fantastic to watch. Again, particularly in the light of what we've been dealing with this season. But the, uh, the schedule is what it is, and it's about to get brutal. And I wonder how this team reacts through the schedule and what that schedule or what the impacts of that schedule and the assessment that AK comes away with. Because I, I kind of feel like I have an idea or, or, or a sense of what this team is without Zach. I still don't think it's a very good team. I know they've won three games here. I think whether they want to or not, they're, they're headed towards a rebuild. But I, I just I'm interested to understand or see what happens and what can actually be learned over the next three to four weeks because you know okay cool you you demolished you demolished in some respects the Hornets 
you caught the the Pelicans on a, the, the back end of a back to back, and to be fair, that that win against the Box was a good win. But, but what they, are you the Pelicans do? are also missing CJ McCollum and Trey Murphy, and they've been playing really well with with those guys back. Yeah, um, I mean, there's like schedule wins and losses in there. I think for the most part, the Bulls are not as bad as their five and fourteen start. Probably closer to that than they are to three and zero. But mm-hmm. they're they're going to be somewhere in the middle, and I think, um, yeah, like I said, I think this is an opportunity to get a better sense of like what these, especially these younger players, are and, and what they can be, because that's really going to inform the decisions that AK makes. I mean, is he going to continue to invest in them, or is he going to continue to try to win and try to climb his way back up to that tenth spot? Yeah, and look, talking about, you touched on it before, like of these three games that we watched, like what's convincing, maybe what's not. I wanted to have a conversation about Kobe White because I feel, again, coming back to my point around people getting maybe a little bit too excited, maybe more generally about this team over three games, but in in addition to that, what, what Kobe's been doing. And I know this will fall on deaf ears in some regards because I have been a bit of a Kobe spec, a skeptic over the years. Um, even though I can admit what Kobe's doing right now has exceeded my expectations. But over the last 10 games, William, uh, Kobe's taking 14 shots a game. Nine of those shots are from three. So a heavy, heavy reliance on the three-point shot right now. He's shooting damn near 48% on those threes. So obviously incredibly efficient. Yeah, he's making over four threes a game through this stretch of games. But what happens when those threes start to cool off a bit? What happens when he goes down from 48 to 38%? And to be fair, 38% would be a very good percentage. But I, I guess what I'm trying to ascertain, like how much of this is a hot streak? Obviously, quite a bit of it would be my assessment. How much of the other stuff is sustainable? And what can he do and what can the Bulls pivot to in the event the three-point shot isn't humming the way it is? So... I say all that to say that there's been a lot of things that Kobe has done this season, even before this hot streak, that I thought he was playing well. I know if we go back to the first you know, 10 or so games, people were wanting to see a, a shift at point guard uh, because Kobe's offense just wasn't there, but he was doing, you know, good. De- he was playing good defense and reading the floor well from that point guard position, and he's still doing those things now. But if that shooting cools off, do you think the narrative around Kobe right now in, in, in the way that he's sort of taken the, the mantle off Zach, post-Zach or without Zach, do you think people's uh, opinions start to change if the uh, the shooting percentages start to fall a little bit? One, I'll just say like Kobe's exploding right now. Nine games, he's shooting, you know, basically 50, 40, 90 um, mm. and averaging 21 points per game. Like that's Zach Levine over the course of like four seasons plus an additional five points. Um, And now he's putting up like similar numbers to Kobe on miserable efficiency. And so it's this kind of like perfect storm of like everything going right for Kobe and some of his younger guys over the three games, everything going wrong for Zach from body language and trade stuff to his play on the the floor, his shooting. Um, And I think that absolutely factors into this narrative, but I think, I think there's, um, some truth to this is maybe a little bit closer to what Kobe can be. Like, I think he has improved in a lot of ways. Um, obviously he's shooting a ton of threes, but I think he's also getting downhill a lot and use leveraging the threat of his three point shot to get into the paint, to kick it out. Um, I think, you know, it's these small strides that he's been making since last year, end of last year where, you know, he's snaking in pick and rolls. He's, he's 
you know, I, I think he's gotten uh, much better in the mid range. He's got to work on his finishing, but the passing has improved. Um, and also the, the defense just top to bottom. He's definitely going to be the guy that gets hunted against a lot of teams late game because he's the smallest um, and probably the weakest link on that end on the bulls. But I think he's improved a lot. The effort is much better. The awareness and off ball stuff is much better. He's taken a lot of charges. Um, he said his goal is to lead the team in charges this year, but that's going to be tough because Alex Crusoe is on the team. Um, so yeah, I think he's improved a lot. I, I think there used to be a point where it was like, if Kobe's not really hot right now, he's actively hurting you. And now I feel like if he's not super hot, he's like closer to neutral, maybe not quite there, but I think he's like trending the right way. And so to me, he's, he's definitely proven that he can be productive, but also you have to remember, like he had a pretty tough stretch for the first 15 games. And is that closer to who Kobe is and what he will be moving forward? And, and that's why I say this opportunity for the next three, four weeks is really important for Kobe because he needs to prove that he can do this for more than nine games in a row. I mean, that's a very small uh, fraction of the season on the whole. And I think if he is going to be like a fixture of this next iteration of the bulls, he needs to extend that kind of play beyond nine games. And, and like I said, he's not going to shoot 50, 40, 90. He's not going to be like leading the, the league in threes uh, over 10 game stretch periods for the rest of his career. So what else is he giving you? Is he helping you in other ways? Is he um, moving well off the ball? Is he defending? Is he playmaking and passing? Is he playing off of guys well? And that kind of changes the geometry of the floor and how defenses guard him. Like there's a lot that has to continue to go right. And to his credit, it has gone right of late. But to me, when you consider that first really down stretch um, and now he's kind of like back up on top of his game again. Like I need to see some more consistency and I need to see some higher lows from him. It can't get to the point where he's just like really, really bad and hurting you because then you just, you can never know what to expect. And I think if the bulls are going to move forward with him as more of a featured piece, he has to be more consistent. Yeah, I just I completely agree with everything you noted there. So I do think his baseline has changed, and you know the worst Kobe White game now is significantly better than what it used to be. To the point where you can still have him out there because you can trust his defense, you can trust his ability to read the floor and react on the floor and do those sorts of things. So don't get me wrong, people who are listening to this when I say as much, but I, I it's just I just have found it interesting, I suppose, how maybe opinions have changed on Kobe based on a short sample. And as a connection to that, maybe the opinions of this Bulls season, this Bulls younger core, where this team is going more generally, has flipped very quickly based on a small sample size. And I say all that to, to bring it back to the schedule because I think in so many ways, you know, in so many different ways, we're going to find out who this team really is over the next three to four weeks. It lines up with the Zach injury, but like I said before, there's a tough schedule coming up and it'll be interesting to see how, how Kobe works through that, how the rest of this younger t- the younger guys work through that, how Zach, DeMar, Caruso, et cetera, fit into the whole thing as we move forward. Uh, we're going to continue talking about that. I want to have a conversation about rebuilding. Surprise, surprise. William and I are tankers. We are rebuilders. That's just where naturally we want to go with it. But I think we want to expand on that a little bit more um, and dive into that thinking a little bit more. But before we do, William, can you tell everyone about Midtown, the athletic club? Oh, do you mean one of the nicest fitness clubs in all of the city of Chicago? That would be Midtown Athletic Club. I was going to say, it's not just one of. It is, though. 
nicest. You're right. You're right. I misspoke. It is the <laughs> nicest. And I've been in a lot of good gyms. I've been in Equinox. I've been in, you know, some really East, East Bank Club, like Midtown kind of puts them all to shame. And it has some of the best features. They've got incredible locker rooms. They've got wet and dry saunas, um, amazing outdoor and indoor pools, as well as hot tubs. They've got fitness studios, and then they have a ton of classes. They've got high intensity, high intensity interval training, yoga, boxing, cycling, CrossFit, group exercise. They've got tennis courts. Um, they've got great basketball courts, pickleball, paddle tennis, uh, just incredible amount of amenities. And they have multiple locations all across the Chicagoland areas. They've got one in Palatine in, in the northwest suburbs, uh, Bannockburn in the North Shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and of course the Bucktown and Lincoln Park area Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel, which is right by me. I'll be stopping by there at some point to shoot some hoops. We're going to have a, um, a tour of the facilities. I know some of our colleagues here, uh, you know, Herb and Hogue and Carm have gone to check it out and just have rave reviews. So if you are interested in joining or finding a tour of the Midtown Athletic Club, head over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more. Well, I mentioned before, William, that I haven't been eating well this year. In fact, it's going to hook me up in that regard. And I certainly haven't been to a gym that often this year, as my uh, waistline can attest to. So uh, I wish I had Maybe access to that means to you Midtown. have to move to Chicago and join Midtown Athletic Club. I might have to do that. I might have to do that. I might also have to move to Chicago to access our friends at ComEd who are helping make it easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles, William. That's something we can all get behind. I'm sure we can all agree on that. So for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us to share it, like that's something we all need to be doing, right? Absolutely, Mark. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all have moved forward with confidence towards an electric tomorrow, whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, Comet can help you guide, uh, help guide you to make changes that make sense. Definitely. So what should business owners be doing, William? They should be going to comet.com slash clean to learn more about resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses and go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? That's exactly what I said. Go now and see how going electric connects us to make a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. There you go. Look, speaking for myself, and I don't think you mind me saying this too, uh, we're not the best of ad readers, but I think today we've been Absolutely okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've been okay today. Possibly. I definitely, I'm definitely the uh, the lowest common denominator when it comes to, uh, or what? What is it like? The the tide carries the shitty ad readers or whatever. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm trash. <laughs> No, I, I I contest that. I think I am significantly worse. But um, I think we both brought a you know a solid. Big We're having fun today. here. We're just having fun here at the CHGO Bull Show. Exactly. Do you know what I what else makes me you know just fun and enjoying my time? Talking about tearing down the Chicago Bills, the Bulls, like that 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 is just an enjoyable Good. experience. Good. <laughs> so let's talk rebuilds because I kind of feel like we're there, whether the Bulls want to be there or not. And this is going to be, I think, a 
contentious topic. It already is. I've experienced this today online. And I understand some of it. I understand that maybe the organization doesn't want to head down this path. Certainly, our tourist kind of service in the offseason mentioned that a rebuild is not on the cards. But I can't help but think with an aging roster and few blue chip prospects on this team that you're kind of organically heading there anyway. I mean, you're kind of there now when you've got the eighth worst record in the league. So, yeah, I wanted to talk rebuilding, William. Um, but I think I wanted to, I think what we need to do first is define what we consider a rebuild because I think everyone, this is the problem with the, 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 the discourse around rebuilding. Everyone has their own definition of what a rebuild, what a tank means to them, what it involves. And every side of the argument will point to an example that worked. And obviously the, the counter argument will be, well, you could end up like the Philadelphia 76ers or whomever it might be. Like that's a good example given that, you know, they've got Joel Embiid and a whole bunch of other good players and are top the top of the East. But the point being is we're going to be talking a lot about rebuilding going forward, whether the Bulls like it or not, because I kind of feel like that's where the org is going, whether they like it or not. So maybe for you, William, you could state what you mean or what a rebuild means to you. Well, I think the first thing before you even start to think about like avenues and pathways and all this stuff is like, is there anything that the Bulls could do for the rest of the season realistically that would change my mind about who they are? And I just don't, I don't think the answer is yes. I mean, let's say they trade Zach for like Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes and a pick and they just start rattling off wins and they win 45 games and are competitive in a first round series. Um, to me, that's just like playing for mediocrity. I mean, that's like striving for the middle. You just, you give yourself no upside. And while I think that's like fine in the short term, it's more exciting than, you know, watching the team go five and 14 and be on pace for 22 wins. Like, I just don't see where that gets you. And to me, like the idea of building a basketball team is to try to be as competitive as possible. And if as competitive as possible means maybe getting into the playoffs as an eighth seed, then like, I just don't really, I just, that's where I come back to the question that you asked earlier, which is like, what are we doing here? Um, So to me, I just don't see, I don't see a way where they like convince me that this is, that there's something more here that's like you know some sort of untouched you know potential un 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 uh untouched potential that they can get to um so i i think at that point you do have to like look at rebuilds um and obviously i've been very vocal about that and um what that means to me to answer your question is like i think fundamentally you have to shift from a priority on today to a priority on tomorrow you have to shift to a um, priority on the younger players at the expense of, you know, investing in wins right now. And to me, even like these last couple of games, like you see the way that they're trying to win. Yes. Kobe's had some good games. Yes. Iowa has been impactful. Yes. Patrick looks like he's competent, but at the end of the day, it's like Vooch and Demar show and guys playing off of them. And I just don't know what is the point of that. Um, because the ceiling is going to be lower without Zach. It just is. Yes, they've been playing better. If you actually want to be competitive, you need your best players out there. And maybe there's like a little dead cat bounce where they you know, are playing better without him. If they actually want to compete in the playoffs or even get there, like they need their best players. And so 
absolutely, I'm on board with the rebuild. And I think, like I said, that means just prioritizing the future. And to me, obviously, I think Zach is going to get traded here. I think they, they need to prioritize longer-term value in any deal, so younger players and picks. Um, I'm not really sure if they can achieve that um, in this marketplace. Like They kind of missed on the opportunity to sell high, and now I think they're just going to like try not to dump him, quite frankly. I mean, I, it feels like that's kind of where they are. So like any future pick, any young players is probably a win. Um, but then beyond that, I think that's where the questions really start. Like the Zach is the Zach um, drama is like a matter of when, not if. And so the bigger questions are like, what do you do with Damar and what do you do with Caruso? And I'll start with Caruso. You sent me a message today. Should I tweet this? And you said, <laughs> don't, don't basically, repeat it. basically something to the effect of <laughs> uh, not trading Caruso at the peak of his value would be like the worst thing that Karnaschevis could do. And I 100% agree. That is malpractice in my opinion. There were a um, few other words in there. But, um, there were some yes. choice words. There were some choice words. I'm I'm uh, opting to exclude those from this conversation. But I do Thank think you. that that is not practice. <laughs> I think it completely misses the point of... Uh, it proves to me that he prioritizes winning now. And it, it, at the expense of the future, it proves to me that he's not interested in the game of value and asset management, um, which is, I think, probably the whole job when it comes to being ahead of basketball operations, this idea that like the front office watches games like fans, like that's not a good thing. I know that they've like said that they really care with wins and losses. To me, that's like not a good thing because it tells me that they're not thinking big picture and that's the job. So I think Caruso is the single most important thing that Karnaschevas has to do right now. I've said this a couple of times, like people around the league have told me that the Bulls can get a good young player and a pick for Caruso. That is more than they're more than they're going to get for Levine. That will help set up the Bulls longer term. And I think more than that, it's like, what are we doing here with Caruso? Like leading this team to a couple extra wins so that they're, you know, a 35 win team instead of a 32 win team. Uh, it just doesn't really make sense to me why you wouldn't capitalize on a guy like that. Who's 29 years old. Who's got a year and a half left on his contract. Who you're going to have to pay if you don't trade him. Um, who, by the way, is like super injury prone and his value may never be higher. I understand what he brings to this team. There's probably no bigger um, proponent of Crusoe and uh, as far as like people championing his value than me. But I just think for like where this team is, keeping him makes zero sense. And um, I think it, it I'm not going to say like they're not going to do it, but it sounds like they're more focused on Zach. It sounds like they want to kind of see how things go before they decide on that. To me, that would be um, just a complete disaster. It'd be malpractice. And the DeMar situation, here's the other thing. Not trading Caruso um, now, it's not like you could just get the same for him next year. It's like his value could go way down. And we've seen that happen with Zach, and we've seen that happen with Vooch, and we've seen that happen with DeMar. And I think he really needs to learn those lessons. At this point, like DeMar's probably not going to get you anything. Maybe there's a couple of teams that would want his bird rights that might give you a little something for an expiring contract that then they could uh, retain using his bird rights. So maybe you get something. To me, it's like you probably keep him at this point unless you you do feel like there's value out there um, just because he does really help 
some of the young guys you saw in that Pelicans game, how they can play off of him. And I think there's value in that. But if there is any other value on the market for him, I would much rather trade him. And then if you don't, then you're kind of in a position where you are forced to re-sign him the way you did with Vooch. And now you're just kicking the can down the road again. So I think priorities for me are getting a great return for Zach as best as possible, trading Caruso at basically for the, to the highest bidder, and then either trading Damar or being comfortable with letting him walk this summer because it's better than continuing to attach, you know, your horse to the Vooch and Damar show as they enter their mid to late thirties. Yeah. Look, uh, to no one's surprise, I agree with Williams, a uh, William take who, who saw that coming, but the, the way that I rationalize this, like the entire thinking should be about maximizing, maximizing value for the next iteration of team and doing whatever makes sense by following that simple ethos. Like that needs to be the goal. Now, your example before whereby maybe this team turns it around and wins 55, uh, 45 games and maybe gets to the playoffs and is a decent first round out type team. If that were to come because Pat made a leap throughout the season or Kobe or Io or yeah. one of these young guys takes a leap, then cool. But like your example there, like if it, if you trade Zach for role guy now, role guys, and you're trying to quote unquote win now and keep this thing going, trying to be a 500-ish team, and it's more so the vets that are getting you there, and the vets are standing in the way of your Kobe's, your your Pats, etc. That's very problematic. I also do think that the best way to maximize value right now is by trading Alex Caruso. He's giving management an out that they maybe didn't think they had. You traded away several picks to to acquire Vooch and and Demar. Caruso can help you sort of you know reset or regain an actual positive plus surplus in assets. Should you be able to deal him for a tasty deal? And all reporting suggests that based on demand and supply, you're going to be able to get something nice for Alex Caruso back. So I understand this idea of keeping him around and having him you know nurture and build a culture around these younger guys. But even then, like I'm not even convinced that these younger guys are the right younger guys to really move forward with as well. So you have to be even thinking beyond Kobe, Pat, and Io because who knows if they're the guys? I don't think they are. I've said that I think they could be, you know, decent role guys in the way Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs and Wendell Carter can be good uh, role guys. But you still but we need, need your our power. We need our friends. You don't have that, and keeping Caruso around is not going to enable you that. And I understand the consternations about trading Caruso. That the pick that you may get back for Alex Caruso may not be a better player for Caruso. But that's not the point. The point is when can you maximize value around Caruso? And if you're not convinced that you're going to retain him post this current contract, or you're going to assign him an extension, then sell him now whilst your team is seemingly going one way down the standings and maximize value uh, in, in doing so. Do the same with Demar and Vooch if it's possible. I think that's less possible for, for the reasons you noted. But if you have to keep a vet or two around just to, to make sure it's not completely bad and wasteful and you know it being a silly rebuild, then fine. But this idea that you need to maintain and keep Caruso around and trade for more vets and try to keep this thing going as if the the younger guys that you already have here are, are enough or sustainable enough for to really lift this team up for the next iteration. Like I just can't get, I just can't get with that. And maybe that changes over the next three to four weeks. Like I said, that schedule is what it is. And if Kobe and Pat and Io, et cetera, show me some stuff that I'm not expecting, then maybe my opinion changes. But right now I'm, think- I'm looking at a team that is still very bad 
I'm looking at Alex Caruso, who's having a career season, who's going to be 30 next March or April, whatever it is, and only has one more year left on his deal. He's often injured, and his value is never going to be higher. So why? how is this even a conversation? I don't understand, but seemingly it is. Yeah, and I think you kind of alluded to a really good point, which... Um, which is like, it is good to have some some veterans around who can still be productive. I think that's something that the Bulls really did not do during their last rebuild. And that probably hindered the growth of Lowry. Like we saw how much better he got when he started playing with Mike Conley. And like, I think that kind of playmaker and facilitator and somebody who, who young guys can play off of would really help them. Um, so I think Vooch is that guy. Like you're not going to trade Vooch. You can't. Nobody's going to take him on right now. So you may as well play through him a little bit more um, and just like have him be the slow it down guy that guys are running around off of. Um, you can kind of get away with doing that with both him and DeMar, but like you also saw De- uh, Vooch's you know, production went way down when DeMar got back in the lineup. So I, I do think it's good to have those guys. Like you still have Torrey Craig, you still have Javon Carter, and maybe those guys are you know flippable assets. I just think you, you have to prioritize figuring out what is best for your future at this point. Because like I said, even if you win 45 games, like your upside is first round and that's, that's it. So you have to start thinking about the best ways to maximize your future. Um, and capitalizing on an asset when it's at its peak value is the only way to do that. Um, maybe you get lucky in the lottery. Maybe some of these guys start to really hit. That's all great. But like, you still have to be doing your job to maximize what assets you have. And that's part of it. Um, Caruso is a massive part of the culture. He's a coach on the floor. He's telling guys what to do. He's defending his ass off. He's hitting game winning threes. Like I understand how good he is and how important he is, but right now shouldn't be as important as the future. And I think in order to, um, to give yourself the best chance moving forward, you have to prioritize the younger guys. You have to put the ball in their hand a little bit more. You have to build up their confidence and you have to see if they're they are guys worth keeping around because you have decisions to make about Patrick. You only have Kobe and Io for three years, and that's two more after this. So, um, yeah, I just I think the priority has to be the young guys and development, and it has to be thinking about the future, replenishing the asset base as much as possible. Because even if you do think you're going somewhere right now, it's not going to last. Because who knows if Demar resigns if he wants to come back. Um, who knows if Kobe and Pat and I are going to continue to play at this level. There's just no real way to know that. And I think you have to control what you can control to take a cliche from all these basketball teams. Like you have to put yourself in the best position. You can't be worried about how all these other teams uh, operate and what they do. Well said, I think the bulls need to maximize their own return and value William, but um our listeners certainly can via DraftKings as well. Do you mind uh, telling everyone about that before we close today's show? Well, in the NBA, the game can change in an instant. Could be a sick Halliburton pass to a corner three uh, to put the Pacers up against the Bucks in the final 90 seconds of the in-season tournament semifinals, or it could be a Zach Levine trade that comes out of nowhere. Who knows? But no matter how the action unfolds, you know DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets for just 5 bucks on basketball. Win or lose, you get the instant dub. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code CHGO. New customers get $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball only on DraftKings Sportsbook using promo code CHGO. 
the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In your call, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for a problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.com. Uh, sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. That was another great ad read. That's another Thanks, B plus ad read. We have delivered today, friends. We are making money for CHGO. That was a great We're capitalizing on value, baby. What a way to end that show. I was the whole the whole time you were sort of progressing through those telephone numbers. I was like, oh, he's gonna stumble here. He's not, but no. Kept coming up clutch here. Right at the end of the podcast, delivering an absolutely great ad read. Thank you, uh, William, for delivering that from for four draft kings. We've got NHK twenty in here saying Mark and William are the rebuild kings. I'll take that one. I'll take I'm the minister one. of the trade machine. Excuse you very minister much. Minister of the trade machine. Well, there you go. Well, the minister of the trade machine and David Matthew will be back tomorrow for a post game. The Bulls are in San Antonio tomorrow. Well, that'll be an interesting game. We get to see the Bulls playing Wemby. I'm assuming Wemby's playing. I'm hoping he's playing, but um, potential to keep this thing rolling to turn a three game win streak to four. Let's see how it all plays out, but the guys will be back tomorrow but uh, appreciate everyone for tuning in on your way out here on youtube hit the like button do that for us friends if you're listening via apple spotify wherever it might be obviously five star reviews why would you give us anything less i couldn't imagine why particularly after all these great fantastic amazing ad reads only five star reviews but uh william where can people find you on twitter at will underscore gottlieb there you go. You can catch us at chgo underscore balls on Twitter. Obviously, jump on the website, allchgo.com. I'm at MK Hoops on Twitter telling people that Caruso needs to be traded now and anyone who disagrees is silly. But other than that, like I said, the boys will be back tomorrow. We'll be talking Bulls versus Spurs, and let's see if that number four win comes around, eh? But appreciate everyone for tuning into this HQ edition of CHGO Bulls. William and I will speak to you next week, but um, let's go and grab number four. See you then. Silly like the mayor. 